0: politics raw politics, raw politics. Raw politics. Straight,
1: straight with no chaser Welcome back to Raw Politics, straight with no chaser. I'm your host, Jay Plummer. We have a lot to talk about this week. So let's get at it. The elections are over in New Jersey and Virginia. New Jersey squeaked out a win. Uh, congratulations to Governor Murphy, Virginia. Man, we got to talk about it. Democrats in Virginia got their asses handed to them. What went wrong? Well, if you listen to the pundits, most of the time, you know they they see everything from a national level, and so they they talk about you know the what went wrong and what went right from a national level because they're not on the ground. So I've listened to a lot of the pundits and they, you know, they talk about the fact that, um, well, you know, Joe Biden hasn't been able to get anything done. Okay. That may play a role. Fair enough. Um, They talk about um, uh, Terry McAuliffe making a big deal about, Trump in his race instead of focusing on issues in Virginia. Absolutely. Fair enough. But what I don't think the pundits see, um, and this is something that I think they miss because of the fact that they're not on the ground here in Virginia. So they don't get that firsthand feel of, of what's happening. And that's energy, enthusiasm. Uh, that's a huge part of anybody's campaign. You've got to be able to uh, uh, gin up your base. You've got to be able to energize folks. You got to. You've got to make folks want to come out and support your campaign. And that didn't happen. So there's a few things. Um, yes. It. The debacle going on up in up on Capitol Hill with the Democratic infighting and Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema um, basically blockading the Democrats' agenda. Did it play a role? I'm sure. I'm sure it had some effect. I'm sure it had some effect. I, I'm not certain that it played that big of a role. Um, I think we got to go all the way back to the primary to really get an understanding of, of what happened and, and why we are where we are. So let's go back to the primary. We had two very um intelligent, very capable women running for governor. Uh, Delegate Carol Foy and Senator McClellan. There was a lot of excitement and energy around these two women because folks saw it as the opportunity to, one, have the first female governor and to also have the first African-American governor here in the Commonwealth. So there was a lot of energy and excitement around there. What happened? Terry greased some palms, and they pulled the rug out from underneath the feet of these folks and out underneath the feet of these two candidates. And so while people were thankful for what Terry accomplished, during his first term as governor, the excitement was not there for him to 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 make that second run at it. It wasn't. People were ready to move on. They were ready to move on, and there were a lot of folks I think that that felt um, disenfranchised and somehow slighted by their own party. Um, this is something that Democrats are gonna have to reckon with. Um, we have to stop playing the click game. And and it it's it's here big time. Uh if if you run in certain circles, you know, you get the support behind you. And that's what we had here. We had we had those Democrats that, you know, rubbed elbows with Terry and you know, they had those uh, backroom handshakes. And, and so they were going to support Terry and they pushed Terry and they got him across the finish line to include to include the Democratic uh, Black Caucus here in Virginia. You're not off the hook. You're not off the hook. So, so I think going back, that's where, that's where this thing really started unraveling really started unraveling at the primary. And Terry did himself no uh, favors by mentioning Trump every every five minutes. You know? Glenn Youngkin was focused on talking about what he was going to do in Virginia. Terry McCullough was focused on talking about, you know, how Glenn Youngkin is baby Trump. Okay, it got old real fast and he never moved on. People got tired of hearing about how uh, Trump endorsed Glenn Young. Okay, okay, we heard it. We got the message. We heard it. We got to move on. And we didn't move on. So while Glenn Young was talking about policies and talking about what he was going to do, Terry was stuck talking about how Glenn Young is, is so tied to Trump. And it didn't work. And Terry had the right policies. He just wasn't talking about them. He wasn't talking about them. People need to know what you're going to do. What are you going to do for me? Man, I don't care whether Trump endorsed this guy or not. I don't care. What I really want to know is, what are you going to do? what are you going to do? So that's another piece. And then Terry puts his foot in his mouth, goes out on stage in a debate, and says, you know, parents shouldn't be telling schools, shouldn't be involved in telling schools what their students should, should learn or what the school should teach. I get where he was trying to go. It was horribly messaged. It was horribly messaged. Certainly parents should have some voice in their students' education. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I hope they wouldn't. But it was horribly messaged. And he did nothing to fix that. And so Glenn Young seized on it. And he drove that thing in the ground all the way to Election Day. And the McAuliffe campaign did nothing to try and counter it. Nothing. So here we are. So that's where I think the McAuliffe campaign went uh, went wrong in, in in their campaign run. But let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the party. I mean, there's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty to go around. So we looked at the map uh, as far as turnout and everything. And, you know, the pundits initially thought, well, oh, my gosh, you know, McCollum's not getting the support he needs in the suburban areas. Nope. As it turns out, the support in the suburban areas were um, almost the same as they were in the previous election. So what went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. For far too long, the Democratic Party has neglected the rural communities. They've neglected them. I've worked in the party central committee for over 10 years and and I've heard the concerns, I've heard the rural communities voice these concerns time and time again to the party. You have to help us. You have to stop ignoring us. I hope they got the message this election because they didn't get it before. So it wasn't the suburban areas. It was the margin of turnout in the rural areas that really just killed the Democratic Party. Because they made no effort to reach out in the rural communities. So you can do great, you know, in the, in our big populated areas all day long, but you still have to be able to, to keep that margin of, of, of votes in those rural communities somewhat competitive. Because when you're getting beat 80 to 20% in the rural communities, I mean, you can't win like that. You can't win like that. And so what does the chairman of the Democratic Party go on to say after the election? She says, we're so proud of the progress we've made. What the hell? It has to be some of the most tone deaf leadership I've heard. You just got your ass whooped. And that's what you say? You're proud of the progress? No it's time for um, i think it's time for some leadership change in the in the democratic party here in virginia um <clears throat> i think the the current chair you know chambersworth has done a great job she has she's done a great job but i mean you know it's the law of diminishing returns you you've done a great job you you've you poured in what you've poured in but it's time to to, uh, to get some new blood and some, some new energy, uh, some new ideas. It's time to take the party in a different direction because clearly what we are doing now, it's not, uh, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And we have to, we have to put together a strategy to help our rural communities, um, you know, it's it's not enough. I mean, I had the opportunity to uh, <clears throat> to be a part of the Sorensen Institute's Political Leaders Program and part of that. You know, we travel around to to different areas throughout the Commonwealth and and we get a chance to see the issues that they're dealing with. You know, in their communities and you know, I had the opportunity to go out to Southwest Virginia and I saw firsthand you know how important the coal industry is to Southwest Virginia and I'm just using this as an example but um, you can't you can't just keep saying we're going to get rid of coal, we're going to get rid of coal, we're going to get rid of coal and I go talk to these folks and say, but here's what we're going to do. Because when they hear that and what I hear, what I hear you saying is, you're going to take food off my table. You're going to take food out of my family's mouth and just leave me to fend for myself. Again, it's messaging because it's not so much about democratic policies that shutter in the coal industry. I mean, it's really the market, the coal industry, the market in coal is shrinking. The market's just not there anymore. But there has to be, there has to be an alternative. There has to be something, you know, what are we gonna do? These folks have to survive. They still have to pay their bills. They still have to put food on their tables. So when, when coal is gone, what's left? What's there to replace it? What are we gonna do for them? That's the kitchen table talk. And that's what Democrats are failing to get done. We have to be able to message these folks, and we have to show them that, you know, it's, it's just not uh, political speak, you know. You know, you have to genuinely care about people. It's about genuinely caring about people. I see you hurting. I hear you. Now let's go back and put some policies together. That's going to help. That's what we've got to get done. <laughs> So Democrats, we've got work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. It's gonna be a long four years, and I suggest we use it wisely. So uh, moving moving on from from Virginia politics because I'm still you know quite angry with with this whole political uh, season, but hey, we have an election every year here in Virginia, so we got a, you know, we've got an opportunity to uh, to fix some things for next year, I guess, if there is a silver lining. So on the national level, uh, we've President Biden finally got a win. Uh, we're finally able to get the infrastructure bill passed. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's shellacking we took here in Virginia you know, finally um, finally registered with some folks up there on the hill that, you know, hey, oh my God, we've, we've got to do something. <laughs> yeah. A little too late, but hey, you know, I guess, you know, better late than never, right? Better late than never. Um, but where do we go on this Build Back Better bill? You know, we've got Senator Manchin. That's, I, I you know I I'm, I find it hard to follow this guy. Um, he comes out and gives a speech where he really says nothing. Says he's going to clear the air on his position, but then he doesn't clear the air on his position. Kind of confusing. Um, again, cinema. I don't know. Um, I, I hear that she's um, she's coming around on some of the the questions or issues that she had. That's great. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. I mean, you know, I've said it before, we're our, we're our own worst enemy. We are our own worst enemy. We have got to stop the um, killing ourselves. We shoot ourselves in the foot. You know, we can't get anything done for, you know, infighting, fighting with each other. So, <clears throat> so I hope, uh, now that we've got the infrastructure bill out of the way, hope we can focus on the Build Back Better bill. Hopefully Manchin and Cinema will, you know, come to the table and, um, and had some serious dialogue about how do we get this done? Uh, we, we've got to stop playing around with this because we've got other work we've got to do. We've still got to get the uh, the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act passed. We've got to get that done. And it's looking like that's going to require um, some changes to the filibuster. Uh, you know, I know I know imagine has said that he's opposed to it <clears throat> it's fine he's supposed to getting rid of it that's fine well we need to uh, make some changes to it and that's not unheard of um, you know there's been numerous times that changes to the filibuster have been made to uh, to get work done because at the end of the day it's about getting work done that's that's your job go to Capitol Hill and pass legislation it's not about preserving uh, oh this is the way we've always done it okay we're in a new time it's a new day sometimes you got to do things a little different but at the end of the day your job is to is to legislate to pass legislation. And so if the way that you've always done it is prohibiting you from getting legislation done, then you've got to make some changes. You've got to be flexible. So So we've got four years of... uh, Republican control. Just to sum it up, we've got four years of Republican control here in uh, in Virginia. Since the of Republicans have taken back control of the House as well, um, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, everything from from these uh, voter suppression laws that they're going to try to try to implement and get past uh, abortion rights. They're going to go after that education. Uh, it's, they become increasingly hostile to public education because, you know, uh, and then they'll, you know, mask it with this term parental choice, which really means segregation again, because, you know, we want parents to be able to put their kids where they want to. So, Okay. We get it. We understand that dog whistle. So those are some of the fights that we've got coming up in the next four years. So Democrats, get some rest. Take a week or two off. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I'm gonna take a week to decompress. Let's come back ready to uh to strategize, to put things together so that we have a better show in the next election cycle. So get some rest. Uh, candidates. Uh, I know you're out there still working, because you know, like I say, we've got an election every year here in Virginia, but uh, give us a break for a week or two. Hold off on them doggone fundraising emails for a week or two. Can we get a break? Can we get a break? And uh, let's get back at it. I mean, we can't give up. You know, we take our lumps. We go back to the drawing board. Look at what went well, what went bad. How do we fix it? But one thing we don't do, you won't see Democrats trying to storm the Capitol. You won't see us trying to foment an insurrection simply because we lost in the election. Nope, we're going to go back to work, and we're going to plug up the holes, and we're going to come back and get the job done. So, thank you all for joining in. Again, I am your host, Jay Plummer. This is Raw Politics, straight with no chaser, and we hope you come back and join us again soon.
0: With no chaser, no beat around the bush yeah. This is all in your face, bruh, serving it rough No fluff, all in your taste buds Nobody gets it pass on Raw Politics Straight with no chaser uh, Raw Politics uh, yeah. Raw Politics, uh, uh, raw politics. Uh, yeah. Straight with no chaser yeah, yeah. Raw Politics uh, Raw Politics, uh, raw politics. Uh, raw politics. Uh, Straight with no chaser uh- yeah, yeah. We're now tuned in to Raw Politics Straight with no chaser With your host, J.A. Plummer have now entered the world where character matters, no one gets a pass, and where I make the rules, <laughs> yeah, raw politics, raw politics, straight with no chase.